You're not going to believe this. We're almost done with 2 Corinthians. And uh, people said, well, what are you going to do next? I don't know, flip a coin. I guarantee you this. This I know emphatically. It will be something out of the Bible. Okay? So, if you'll join with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 7-10, through 10, the reading of the Word of God. Now we pray to God that you do no wrong, not that we ourselves may appear approved, but that you may do what is right, even though we may appear unapproved. For we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. For we rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. This we also pray for, that you may be made complete. For this reason, I am writing these things while absent, so that when present, I need not only not use severity in accordance to the authority which the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Father, help us to have Ears to hear what the Apostle Paul, through the power of your Spirit and your Holy Writ, is giving to us. Father, we are in an age of complacency. We are in an age of... People just don't care. I see what we battle for and I see what we don't battle for. And it is for the inerrancy of Scripture... Help us, Lord, each of the people who will hear this message. Stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus to defend the faith given once and for all. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word will never. In Christ's name, amen. We're looking at a place and it's the fifth step of what I call the process of sanctification. Submission and integrity. Submission is where we get our obedience from. Okay? You will not be obedient if you do not submit. I don't care what it is. When I look at this last verse, the last part of verse 9, some people will say integrity, some people will say honor. Integrity is a better word because when I look at it, it is the completeness of, of all the rest, the sum of everything that I have dealt with in prior months. Repentance, chapter 12, 20 and 21. Confronting sin to the church discipline, 13, 1 and 2. Submission to authority, 13, 3 and 4. Genuineness, chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. And obedience and submission. 7 through 9a. Okay? It all has to come together now. What does it look like when it comes together? I call it integrity, and I'll show you why here in a minute. Why do I call it integrity? Well, if you read in the verse there, that you be made complete. Okay? That word is the only time this word in the Greek is used in the New Testament. It's only used here. Katarista. It only appears here. So it's a little tough 
to kind of get a handle on it. I can take it back to the secular Greek. When I take it back to the secular Greek, it literally means adequate or fully qualified or sufficient. So what I do is I try to find, this is a noun here. So what I try to do is find the derivative of the word, whether it is a verb normally. And I did find it, katarazo. And you see that in verse 11. Finally, brethren, rejoice. Be made complete. Okay, now in the verb form, it literally means putting things in order. Put them in line. It has to do with restoring something. All right. It has to do with fixing something that is broken. Now, the verb is used a lot more often in the New Testament than the noun. Like I said, the noun is only used right here. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 21, speaking of James and John, they were mending the nets. That's the verb form of the complete that is translated here. Paul uses it in chapter 6 of the letter to the Galatians. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore. Restore. Restoring a sinning believer into the fellowship is Kataruza. Okay? So some, when I look through different commentaries, not commentaries, uh, dictionaries, they use the English word integrity. Okay? And it best describes the meaning of this passage. Alright? A person with integrity is one... Now listen, this is the English... And, and, and I'll show you how this works. A person with integrity is one whose thoughts, beliefs, words, actions are all in line in perfect harmony. Okay? That is a person that has integrity. Now then, if I take it over to the Christian, to the spiritual side of this, a Christian's integrity involves having every area of their life is in submission to the truth of God's Word. There's nothing out of sync. The Scottish Reformed Church in Scotland has, has exploded. Okay, It is fractured, completely fractured. You know why? The homosexual agenda. Okay. Now, I, I'm being Scottish in my heritage. I, I kind of listen to what the poor buggers are doing. <laughs> and I'm not allowed to say buggers because Stephen, never mind. David Stephen says you shouldn't say that. But anyway, there's a huge split in it. It's actually dissolving as I speak. Okay. Because of the homosexual agenda. All right. And we all sit there and say, well, that's just what. No, 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 no. I pay more attention to the Scottish Reformation Church. You know why? It was about 10 years ago 
No, it's about 15 years ago, 10 years ago for the other. 10, 15 years ago, they did not split over the inerrancy of Scripture. 10 years ago, they did not split over the deity of Christ. But they will split over the homosexual agenda. See, that is a group whose integrity needs to be questioned. A person with integrity is a person who acts on the thoughts, beliefs, words, and actions. And they're in perfect harmony. And you're telling me you're going to worry about an outward sin and you're not going to worry about a spiritual sin that says this is the inerrant word of God. It's, it's, it's here, you know, you sit there and you go, well, that's crazy. Really? Why would you marry an unbeliever? Why would you marry an unbeliever? And you know what? Why in the world would you jump into a relationship when you're not sure? Is the book what it says it is? Is he who he says he is? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And yet I'll fight over, well, I think they're committing adultery. Well, that's that gay thing. Well, wait a minute. Why would you be involved in any kind of relationship with an unbeliever? See what I mean? Test it. See if they are of the Spirit. Listen, if they've got a pride problem, guess what? See, it's easy for us at times to say, well, look at that vulgar sin. Really? Let me show you some other things to look at. A Christian has every area of their life in submission to the truth of God's Word, and there's nothing out of sync. I don't know if you guys have read Pilgrim's Progress. I've read Pilgrim's Progress. And there was a character in the book called Talkative. Talkative spends a lot of time in my head because I deal with a lot of people who are talkative. In the book it says, Talkative is described by those who knew him as a saint abroad, but a devil at home. That was talkative. You know what that means? There's no integrity there. Integrity is illustrated, and this is the best illustration I could think of, and you'll have to forgive me because... uh, (laughs) Anyway. The process of baking bread. You want to know integrity? Okay. And everybody's like, when did you bake bread? (laughs) I watched my grandma do it once. Here's 
what I'm thinking. If you put all the ingredients into a pan and you stick it in the oven, when you pull it out, it will not be bread. You must mix the ingredients. Right? And everybody's like, the women are all like, yeah. And the men are like, I don't know. <laughs> Wander makes my bread. And I, it's already cut when I get it. <laughs> but isn't it true? If you don't mix the ingredients, what do you got? A bunch of burnt flour, melted butter, sugar, salt. I don't know what you put in bread. Okay. I mean, look, I just baked a bunch of ingredients. Okay? Integrity mixes the ingredients. I want you to think about that for a second. I, a couple of weeks ago, challenged every one of you, can you spend an hour a day reading your Bible? Now, I'm not going to ask you if you did. But let me add to that. Can you take an hour a day and pray? Because once you take an hour a day and pray, you heard what I said, okay? An hour to pray. And I can't pray for an hour. Really? Hmm. Yeah, you can. Sure you can. One of the greatest blessings of the Shepherds Conference for me is that the clutter of life stops. And I can take two or three hours in the evening or in the morning and pray and read. I don't turn TV on. I don't, has, I don't have to hassle about what my message is going to be or what I'm going to share. My day's laid out. I know what classes I'm going to. And I can pray and I can read my Bible. And the clutter of my life stops. That is when we mix the ingredients. We must have all the different ingredients in the life of a believer, but we must properly mix them together. And at that point, you will produce integrity. It's all in order. Now listen. What does it look like? I thought you would never ask. Second Corinthians chapter five. Verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's what it looks like. Jesus Christ, He who knew no sin, became sin. That we might know the righteousness. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 9 says the same thing. 53 9. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 26 
says the same thing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. 1 John 3 and 5. That's what it looks like. So the goal of integrity is what? Take the ingredients, mix them together, and it looks like Christ. Romans chapter 8 tells us you were saved to be conformed into the image of Christ. Listen, this is a a request that is frequent with the Apostle Paul. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29, I have part of this is above my, behind my head on my, where my study is. And this text, when I became an elder, is the one that was burned into my soul. And every once in a while, I know you guys don't ever wander around, but every once in a while I'll get a little on the wandering side. And God reminds me of Colossians chapter 1, 28 and 29. We proclaim Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. You know what the word complete is? Integrity. All the ingredients are mixed together. They look like Christ. For this purpose, I also labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. That is the summary of the Apostle Paul right there. Everything you read in the Apostle Paul in the New Testament is summarized in those two verses. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 12. Galatians chapter 4, verse 12. I beg you, brethren, become as I am. For I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong. That's his goal. That's what he was striving to do. That's why you have the letters to the Corinthians. That's why you have all the letters that you see is to present every man complete in Christ. Present every man in order in Christ. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphroditus, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings. Always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. I wonder if anybody in this room has ever labored earnestly for the others in this congregation in their prayers. Just an idea. Why would you labor, Epaphroditus, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all of the will of God? You know what perfect is, right? Complete, in order. Maybe even in need of repair. There's a text that I was fascinated by, partially because of the author, the human author. I understand that Holy Spirit writes Scripture. And when I think about the summarizing integrity, what this, what this means... 
All of the ingredients are all mixed together to perfection. Completeness. It's in order. And it comes from someone that you would almost say, <laughs> he, he ain't got it in order. He's confused. Nah, not really. Psalm 15. Description of the citizens of Zion. Here's what David, Mr. David, King David says on integrity. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? You got that? You know what he's saying, right? Who's going to heaven? He who walks with integrity and works of righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does he evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, and whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. That's pretty good. That's the person who's taken all of the ingredients, mixed them together, and is standing stable. Who is standing in the grace of Christ Jesus. Funny to have that come from David, don't you think? Because there's times you're thinking, he spilled the flour. He doesn't know where the oven is. How can he mix what he doesn't have? Listen, this stuff, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, it flows from the heart. I can't make any of you guys do this. It comes from the heart. And yet it comes from the heart in such a way, such a deep passion that it will encompass every aspect of your life. Do you hear what I said? Every aspect of your life. Every aspect of your life. Paul tells us that we are not our own. We have been bought and paid for with a price. Think about on a daily basis, a moment by moment basis of the things that distract you. And ask yourself a simple question. Is this encompassing every aspect of my life? You ever thought about that? It's easy. I know. Listen, you can hurt. I, it was weird. I flew into Los Angeles. I arrived a little after eight. And then you have to take a shuttle over and you get your rental car. And then, uh, then the adventure begins. And I was staying in Glendale, which is north and east of LA proper. <laughs> It took me three hours and 40 minutes to get from the airport or from the where I got my car 
to my hotel. Okay, on Saturday morning, I told Brother Pa, we should probably leave about four to make it. Okay, because the guy at the counter at the rental place says, you probably ought to have two hours for your check-in from the rental place. I'm like, gee whiz. You know how long it took me to get from my hotel back to the airport? 35 minutes. <laughs> I pull into the parking lot, turn my car, and he says, we could have slept in. <laughs> when I think about the saints of the Old Testament, when I think about integrity, how can you not be synonymous with Daniel? Integrity. Conviction. An uncompromising life in every aspect. Nebuchadnezzar had wealth beyond anyone in civilization at the time. He had a court that everyone longed to be in. He had power second to nobody in civilization. What temptation sits there? To obtain political position in the court of Nebuchadnezzar, the access to wealth, the access to power. You know, look at the things I can do for Jesus. I'm in a place of authority. And yet, Daniel, even in the face of the fiery furnace, would not bow. Even in the lion's den, he did not bow. His convictions were integrity, uncompromising. He had taken the things of God and mixed them together. And you weren't going to separate it. There are things that the Bible tells us to do. And our first response is, why? Why? Heard a message preached this week. Only one commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, question. Have you ever had a nanosecond that you did that? Never. You never have. No human being has ever. Only one. We move into the resurrection season and we're all smiling with grace. One commandment. And no human has ever fulfilled that for a nanosecond. But I'll go to sunrise service. You know what? At sunrise service, you won't even fulfill it there. And you wonder what grace is? 
We aren't capable of that. Therein lies the fact that we need a Redeemer. The question was posed and I found it fascinating. How can in just a few hours our Lord and Savior take the punishment for every sin of every human ever and take the full punishment for it in just a few hours. You ever thought about that? Of every man, woman, and child that has ever walked this planet or will ever walk this planet, in a few hours, he took the penalty for every one of it. I want you to think about this. You're getting ready to go in next Sunday. Palm Sunday. Hallelujah. Hosanna. David in the highest. Four days later, they want him dead. And yet I ask myself, do we have integrity? Have we mixed together these wonderful ingredients so that we may stand? Daniel remained devoted throughout his entire life. One of the most fascinating texts in all of Scripture is when the angel brings the answer to his prayer and says, Daniel, who is highly exalted in heaven. Have you ever thought about that? You know no man's gone to heaven. The penalty has not been paid. So the only thing that's in heaven is the Godhead. And the holy angels. And yet, in the Godhead and the holy angels, Daniel is highly exalted. And this is before the cross. How much greater are we? Back to our text. Verse 10, Paul is concluding this. For this reason I am writing these things while absent, so that when present, I need not use severity in accordance with the authority which the Lord has given me for building up and not tearing down. This is Paul's conclusion of this letter in its main points. We will wrap it up probably in the next week or two. His return visit, he speaks of it in chapter 12, verse 14. Chapter 13, verse 1, this is the third time I'm coming to you. He didn't want to come to them in severity. As he spoke of to Titus in chapter 1, verse 13. He wanted to come to build them up. It was just funny. They started out this conference saying, and, and the, the, the focus of the conference was Colossians chapter 2 verse 7, rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. And he says that we understand that there is great discouragement in the pastorate. When you got 4,500 plus, we were all in amen. There is great discouragement in the pastorate. Most of you cannot comprehend it. And by Friday night, you're like, well, I'm not sure I'm feeling any better at all. I mean, I could have just taken a stick and poked it in my eye. 
(laughs) Paul wanted to come back to the Corinthians and build them up. But yet here in verse 10, he gives the final word if they defy him. If they defy him, I don't want to have to come back and tear down, but I will. The word you see there, tearing down, is catharsis. It has to do with destruction or demolition. You've looked at it in chapter 2, verse 1. You've also seen it in chapter 10, verse 8. I'll read that one. For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave me for building you up, and not destroying you, I will not be put to shame. He wanted to edify the Corinthians. He did not wish to destroy them. Okay? So when you're cruising through 2 Corinthians, there's a question that is always lingering around the back of your head. I hope. Was the Apostle Paul successful? This is fourth letter. Remember, we went through it. There was one we don't have. Then we have 1 Corinthians. There was a severe letter that we don't have. And then there's 2 Corinthians. Was he successful? Well, let me see if I can defend my position biblically. Okay, first of all, Acts chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. He returned as he promised. He said he wanted to come back for a third time. In Acts 20, verses 2 and 3, he did. And best I can conclude, he was there for about three months. Okay, If he was there in Corinth for about three months and didn't blow anything up or wasn't blown up, I'm saying that that might be positive. Just an idea. In Romans chapter 16, understanding he's writing Romans from Corinth, he refers to Phoebe, Gaius, Eratus, all of whom are associated with Corinth. And he doesn't have a concern in the letter, and he seems calm and peaceful in the letter to the Romans. Even when he speaks of these people. Okay, that's one. Number two, in Romans 15, verse 24, he says, I want to go to Spain. He wanted to use Rome as a launching pad to take the gospel into Spain. If there was trouble in Corinth, I doubt if he would be planning on going to Spain. Okay? Remember, he was being accused before this letter of being a false apostle. Maybe not even being a real believer. So in Romans 15, verses 26 and 27... He speaks of the Achaeans. Okay, do you know who that is? That's Acacia. You know where that's at? Southern part of Greece. You know how many churches were in the southern part of Greece? 
One. You know what that church was? It's the First Baptist Church of Corinth. I don't know if it was a Baptist church. <laughs> so, all right. He speaks of the collection that he was going to take to Jerusalem. If they thought he was a false apostle and possibly not a new believer or not even a believer, do you believe that they would have gave him the offering? And then fourthly, 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament. <laughs> this is a letter that Paul has poured out his heart in. We have seen in the last few weeks the heart of a pastor. It would seem that he had achieved his goal as the shepherd. Okay? I will close with this text. Many of you have know this text. If not, <laughs> repent. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth and it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. That's a good solid promise right there, brothers and sisters. I watch so many people in the body of Christ wish to give counsel and they give opinion. Give the counsel of God and it will accomplish what God sends forth. The church in Corinth is living proof of that. We should heed it. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the repentance and the reconciliation of the Corinthians to the Apostle Paul. Father, I praise You that they realized that He was Your man. And that, Father, that they would grow in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Father, that You scattered them and Your Gospel went forth in power. As Isaiah said, it accomplished exactly what You sent it for. Thank You, my King, my Lord, my Savior. Thank You for this letter as I prepare to finish up in a few weeks. Lord, I ask You, I beg You, help us to have ears to hear. Help us, Lord, to understand the majesty of our King. Help us to understand what redemption truly means. Father, help us to understand when Newton wrote, Amazing grace. Help us to understand that we are not our own, but we have been bought and paid for with a price. Father, break our stiff necks that we may be servants of the Most High. Speak forth Your truth. Speak forth Your wisdom. 
Father, help me. Help me to stand. Father, I beg You that I do not waver on Your Word. Father, I beg You that to each of us You will do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what we could think or ever imagine. We love You, Lord. May that love shine forth that all men will know. To my King, my Savior, my Lord, Christ's name.